This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and you found the Leadership Lowdown. I'm so glad you did, too, because we have such an opportunity to meet some amazing people, people that are making a difference in our world, and I always like to spotlight them and share their story. And we have what I think is a pretty darn good story to share today. Her name is Julie DeRose, and she is the director of PAE, and she's also a licensed real estate and insurance agent. So talk about a busy person. We're glad you took time to be with us. Julie, welcome to our show. Thank you, Vic. Yeah, we're glad to have you. And you know, you and I do some other work together. We've kind of crossed the paths in some of the work we do around town. And I thought, wow, As the more I got to know you, Julie, the more impressed I was. But before we get into all of that, what I'd love to do is if we could just go back to what it is the director of PAE does and just give us an idea of what that's all about. All right. Well, thank you for having me again. And PAE is an adult education program that serves people who have not had the greatest experience with education and didn't finish high school. We provide the GED testing preparation and a lot of other things too, support services to try to help them figure out what their next steps are. The GED is not an end, it's a beginning to other good things hopefully. And so we have resume writing and job placement guidance and maybe apprenticeships are kind of the big thing these days. So looking at ways to get people trained and skilled to get a better job and make a better life for their families and more of a contribution to the community. Well, and Julie, I just love what you're sharing there because make a better way and make a better life for them and their families and everything else. I hope I'm not jumping in too early on this, but one of the things you did for me is you invited me to, I'm going to call it the graduation ceremony for some of your students in the greater Lansing area. And I was just jacked to be there because the smiles on the graduates' faces was impressive. The pride in the family members that were in the audience that were supporting those people for doing that and taking that step was so evident. I'm telling you, Julie, that was a pretty cool day. That's got to be one of the greatest days you get, and frankly, a bit of a side payday for you to be able to witness that assignment. Yes? That's absolutely true, Vic. You know that those graduation ceremonies make such a difference. It's a way to kind of show, all right, look, this is my accomplishment. This is what I've done. And so many of these people have had so many challenges. Many of them have kids. Many of them have a job or two, other life challenges like we all do. And the families are invited to come and to witness this, you know, kind of a, like I said, it's not the end, it's the beginning of many more good things. And, you know, the fact that they've accomplished something that has been probably in the back of most of their minds nagging at them for a while, it's like, People know, hmm, I should probably finish high school, but, you know, the fear, the fear of failure, just how am I going to fit it in my life, all of those things. And these people that go through the graduation ceremony have figured out a way to prioritize something that's going to make a difference in their future. Yeah. And, you know, they see that, the families see that. And I always say, I wish that I could bottle that feeling up and kind of spread it around to students who are struggling, trying to finish. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, the graduation is kind of the icing on the cake, right? And nobody leaves there without a smile on their face. Right. And also, too, you know, one of the things I often say is that, We've never had a graduate that regrets uh -huh. finishing. Right. We've had lots of people who regret 
waiting as long as they did. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good day, and it was great that you joined us and got to witness. Well, that. and you we'll know, be having you, another you, one, so you're on our invitation list. Oh, I love it. Well, you know, and the other thing too, Julie, that I think is really interesting. You mentioned how why did they wait so long, and and it's a nagging thing. A whole movie, real quick, in my world. I got on a business track when I was 20 years old. I got hired by a company and off I went and I didn't finish college. I really didn't start college either. And so here I am 50 plus years old and I find myself in an executive position without a college degree. And I'm like, I never felt good about that. And so honestly, at 52 years of age, I went back and jumped in and became one of the older freshmen at the Davenport University and got my degree and finished up my bachelor's and graduated in my mid-50s. So, you know, your point is well made. You can make a difference in those little nagging things that are calling you every day to question maybe whether or not you're worthy. You have a great way to help people feel the pride in getting something special done. Now, we're going to end up having to go to break here, Julie, but I wonder, are you from the mid-Michigan area originally? No, I am not. I'm from a small little resort, Lake Huron community called East Tawas. East Tawas. Oh, my goodness. I've got to tell you, that's a pretty special place in Michigan. How on earth did we get you down here? You know what I mean? Because it's hard to pry somebody out of those communities. Well, it's a nice place to visit, but <laughs> it was definitely, you know, I mean, fishing and hunting and cross-country skiing are really, really great to do. But I came to the Lansing area for internships for college and, and the next thing are. I know, time flew by and here I am. I so, love it. Well, I, we're glad you're here. We're glad you joined us today on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Place keeps changing, and successful companies recognize and embrace change through choice, adaptability, and innovation. DBI offers affordable furniture solutions for countless workspace options that will enhance the performance of your people and organization. DBI helps customers reach their workplace goals from improving worker effectiveness and innovation to brand expression. DBI is your office furniture partner. Learn more at dbiguess.com. And we're back right here on the Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and I have the impressive Julie DeRose with me. She is a director of PAE and a licensed real estate and insurance agent as well. But, you know, we just discovered that she escaped from East Tawas. And congratulations, Julie. It's a wonderful place to go back and visit. I just drove through there this last weekend. And so uh, wonderful people up there as well. But, Julie, tell me, as you come out of East Tawas, you began a career path and tell me about what made sense to you early on and what kind of got you started. Right. Well, some of it made sense and maybe some of it didn't, but I ended up getting my 
real estate license. Actually, when I was 18 years old, my mother was a real estate broker up in East Taos, and she wasn't having any answer, but yes, you're going to take the test and you're going to pass it. So I did that, and I worked with her up there, and then also went down to Fair State University and got my undergraduate there, and then I had to do a couple of internships, and so I did them in the Lansing area, and after graduation, I worked at Davenport University, your alma mater. I was an instructor and I ended up getting an offer for a state government position. And I remember telling my mother about that. And she's like, what am I going to tell my friends? You're leaving the college for this one. I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. Make up a story, mom. You can do it. But anyway, so I started this new role for state government and kind of almost like on a dare. It was a little bit of an edgy, exciting thing. And I only was going to do it for the summer. And summer led into a year and another year and another five years and another 10 years. Oh, my. So then off I went, right, with a lot of different roles, a lot of different responsibilities. I got a number of promotions that opened my eyes to large state agencies, the government and how it works in the state, funding, budgets, policies. I did have a mentor early on, this gentleman who I don't know, I'd like to think he saw something in me. He's one of the people that I think qualifies to be actually use the word leader. He was awesome. And he did give me a lot of chances to do things that were above and beyond my role in terms of my job, but also gave me opportunities to write policies and write statewide different documents that influenced, you know, a lot of procedures and policies for the state. So I was really grateful for that. And it kind of put my job on a trajectory that, I mean, after two or three years, I was like, I don't even know what happened, right? Uh This really wasn't my plan. I was just going to do this for a summer. And yet there was like this carrot on the end of a stick, always something else to try, always something a little bit exciting, a little bit just very interesting in terms of, oh, I don't know, human behavior, the way that systems work government and the influence of that. So over time, I worked in many different capacities from not only inspecting, but developing new offices that did different functions, did training, a lot of recruitment. And so I've had a lot of experience in a wide, wide range of things. And I owe a lot of that to that first person who saw that I wasn't one that was going to say no or I can't. I was one that was going to dig in and try my very best, you know, to do well and to make it work and was always one to kind of rise to an occasion of, you know, a challenge. Well, Julie, let me ask you about that because there's got to be a little lump in your throat when somebody asks you to do something you've never done before. Can you give me some of your thought process on that? I mean, because... I kind of like the few people that say, yeah, I can do that. And then you go, oh, how am I going to do that? Right. So is that kind of where you were at? Learning under fire, as I say? Oh, yes. I feel like I have been, you know, kind of the captain of, I don't know, almost like sinking ships for a while. And then we write ourselves and off we go. But it can be stressful. It can be nerve wracking. But, you know, in terms of the thoughts on leadership, I think, One of the most difficult things, and I have been in these situations, and I am sure that a lot of people listening 
I'm sure you can relate, is one of the most stressful situations is when you have a whole lot of responsibility and you feel a responsibility, but you have limited authority to do the job. Mm, And in state government, as well as, you know, many other organizations, any quasi-bureaucratic kind of thing, that happens a lot with people. And that is a very difficult situation to be in. I think the object of the game is that if you're going to delegate or to allow somebody to kind of spread their wings and do something outside of maybe what their typical wheelhouse is, to also give them enough authority to feel like they're empowered to do the job. Mm. And, you know, that's a real failure sometimes in management leadership. I see that very often in state offices as well as, you know, other large companies that are, you know, kind of quasi-bureaucracy. Yeah, well, it's Um, quite an observation, Julie. Honestly, I think along the way as we give people duties and responsibilities and don't really give them the authority to pull it off. And I think there's so much more for us to unpack here, but we're going to have to go to a quick break right here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm with Julie DeRose. I'm Vic Verscher, and we'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. This is the Leadership Lowdown with Julie DeRose. She is the PAE director and, of course, also a licensed real estate and insurance individual as well, which, you know, we'll gladly take her expertise there, too. But right now we're talking about leadership. And, Julie, you had some interesting state government and large government type opportunities that you learned a lot as you kind of got some of your early professional experience in. And as you think that through, there had to be some grand takeaways of, wow, that's really good. And, ooh, if I ever get in charge, I would never do that. (laughs) Any of those uh, lessons come to mind? Oh, boy, you struck a nerve, Vic. Yes, of course. (laughs) And probably with a lot of your listeners, too. You know, when you asked me to do this show, I really did, like, some soul searching on this because, you know, I thought about leadership and, oh my gosh, am I going to be talking about leadership? And then am I even qualified to do that? It's a very, just a, kind of a humbling, soul searching, I don't know, experience <laughs> to try to sort out, like, what do I have that I could share? And then I kind of shifted and I shared this with you earlier today that I kind of shifted to boy, I know a lot of things what not to do that I can share, and yet wanting to keep it positive. So 
You know, I think that, first of all, you know, just because somebody is in charge doesn't make them a leader. And I think that just because somebody has the administrative or whatever they are, the queen for the day job, maybe they're managers, maybe they're not even, maybe that's not even the right word. We've all worked for people who, you know, think fancy themselves as leaders, but, you know, then I went through this whole thing of, you know, what is a leader? Well, I think that, in my opinion, you know, there needs to be some humility and a leader needs to be humble. A leader needs to be grateful for the role that they have and try to help others just be the best they can be. I know that your mantra is anyone can make a living, but you want to make a difference. I mean, I think that that is the perfect thing, a perfect way that a leader should think, in my opinion. I also think that, you know, And I worked in some very stressful situations, some very serious places and offices and functions in terms of my roles in my work. But, you know, at some point when the time is right to find some humor and to find (laughs) some humility, to be able to say thank you, to be grateful, but also to, you know, smile and joke a little bit and laugh about things that, you know, aren't maybe life and death situations. They are just situations that are, you know, the next day you might be able to just make jokes or to laugh about. I just think that that is so important in a workplace. It's so important in an organization. You know, if we take ourselves so seriously every day, it becomes really kind of a toxic work. Let's spend a second on that because to me, man, you really have identified an area that I truly believe in. I love it when you can whistle while you work and enjoy what you do. You know, you and I, all of the people listening, we spend way, way too much time at work. And if we don't enjoy it and don't find a way to make it fulfilling and making it fun with our fellow employees around us, That seems like a big miss because life is too short and there's just too many good things that can happen along the way. So I just love where you went there. But now let me ask you this. Have you ever, because I sometimes get misunderstood because I love to belly laugh and sometimes I'll say something just trying to be funny and lighten the mood when somebody's not in the mood for it. You know what I mean? So have you ever been in that spot where uh, you're trying to at least, you know, brighten the day and make it a little lighter and instead you end up with, holy cow, this person didn't get that attempt at humor? Well, Vic, you need to learn to read your crowd. Ah, I love it. (laughs) I thought I was pretty good at that, but maybe not. I think that I haven't experienced that, but maybe I just don't know. And I experience it more than I realize. I'm not sure. I know that when I first started working with the state government, yeah. I was told, Julie, you need to put bass in your voice and don't <laughs> smile. It's a sign of weakness. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is really not going to work for me very well. But, you know, I think well-placed smile and, you know, good humor is really an important part of our lives and our work. And like you said, we're at work too. No matter what it is you do, even if it's a dangerous job, even if it is a scary job, even if it is a hard job, a boring job, whatever it is, you have to find a little bit of sunshine there or What will happen is, and I've seen this with employees, you know, they take it home. Yes. And 
that hurts home and it hurts community and it hurts the children and it hurts your pets and it hurts, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, and I think that that's another thing with a leader, you know, if, if I have seen people that say, well, I've got nine years, 265 days and four hours before I retire. Yeah. Well, that's a really long time to be counting down, you know, <laughs> if it's that miserable, a leader needs to help people figure out a way to find something that suits them. And stuff. that time at work. Uh, Julie, I'm um, just so glad we've got this time together. So glad you're with us and appreciate the opportunity you've tuned into the Michigan Business Network. we got to go pay some bills, but we'll be right back. Right here on the Leadership Lowdown, right on here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vercero and Julie, I just really had so much fun in that last segment because it's so true. The concepts and lessons that you learn from some of your important work in state government and doing some big, big things. And Julie, you know, one of the things that I've shared and I think we talked about earlier, which is the notion that, man, if I ever get in charge, I'll never do that. Have you ever had some of those learning experiences where they didn't feel good, they didn't feel right, but they were opportunities for you to highlight, this is not what I'm going to do if I ever get in charge? Oh, how long is some shit? Oh, <laughs> we got a two-part option. <laughs> it's, it's a mini-series. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think that we've all had those. And, you know, one of the things that I say, and this is really kind of maybe a rough way to put it, but in the workplace, you can see it, and maybe some of you have experienced it, but it's bullying by exclusion. Like you just, you know, maybe it's an area that an employee is responsible for, but for some reason, they're not included in the meeting or they're not included in the conversation. And then it's just like, oh, by the way, this is what we talked about. And this is what we're doing. Using, you know, the maybe a supervisor or a manager's staff to get things done and not appreciating the responsibility that someone might feel in terms of their job or their work role. It diminishes the person. And it also, it's bad for morale and for teamwork, of course, it's not the way a team should work. So I have seen that happen. And I really, that's one of my major pet peeves. Another thing, too, is I worked with this person for a few years who we would have these meetings. And the first thing that would come up is like, okay, who did it? You know, it's like, like who's done it? Like, who's to blame? You know, we've got to blame somebody. Somebody's got to be the one. <laughs> and finally, it'd be like, oh, my goodness, you know, we're in this meeting for 15 minutes and nobody is taking the blame. 
And so there were times where it was kind of joking, but it was just to lighten the mood and it did work, could have really backfired on me. But I would just walk in and I'd say, it was me. I did it. Even though I did not even know what it was. (laughs) (laughs) You would just start the meeting. Hey, let's get this straight. I did it. Is that what you did? (laughs) I did it. So let's just say that. Kind of brilliant. It helps clear the air, right? Right. And everybody was comfortable with that. And it's like, okay, blankly. And then we would move on and find solutions to the problem. And, you know, it's just talking about that kind of thing. That just wasn't productive at all. So that was my way to kind of cut to the chase. Brilliant, Julie. Honestly, let me jump in here and ask you a quick question, though. I want to ask you about the opportunity to fail because I know in my career I've failed miserably a number of times. Follow me around with a camera, you'll be able to document some epic fails. But I really want to suggest that as a leader, what I tried to do is make it safe to fail, meaning that what we learn from it, is it habitual or is it just a misread and a signal that you didn't understand what all happened? Tell me about your thoughts on creating a safe space for the people that you lead so that they can fail and slash learn and grow. Tell me your thoughts on that. Well, I think we have to encourage folks to, you know, I mean, first of all, if you do nothing, you're not going to fail. So (laughs) that's just, you know, it's like, all right, so do we want a lump in the corner? Do we want somebody who is willing to stretch and try some things? And I think to encourage that, for one thing, encourage creativity, encourage thinking out of the box, encourage stretching just a little bit beyond what your comfort zone is, is so important. But like you said, I mean, people have a fear of failure. I mean, it's like, you know, if you trip on the sidewalk, the first thing you think of isn't necessarily, oh my God, I skimmed my knee. It's looking around to see if anybody saw you, (laughs) right? So (laughs) the worst. In today's um, world, who filmed it? Exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, to get to have a work environment that is comfortable and is not one, you know, that points fingers and talks about blaming. It's about, okay, learning from mistakes or learning from failures. That's the way that people grow. That's the way that people get better. It's not about, oh my gosh, I failed, so I'm never going to be able to get out of bed again. It's okay, I failed, but why? And how can I turn that around into something good? And so I think that's what a leader needs to do. And that's what good leaders do for their staff. I have a person who started working for me and she had a lot of life challenges. She had a really rough start and I saw in her so much potential and I told her, all right, so I'm going to give you every opportunity to learn so many different things. If it's too much, tell me, but if not, I have faith. And I have confidence more in you than you do in yourself. And I'm just going to tell you right now, in two or three years, I'm kicking you out of the nest. In other (laughs) words, I'm going to try to help you find a better job. You know, this is a training situation. And she did go on and stays in touch with me. This was fairly recently. And she is just flourishing. And she has a couple of kids and is just, I'm just so proud of her and, you know, it's just one of those things that it makes, you know, kind of warm your heart that you've actually made that difference. But it was a little bit of tough love. It's like, no, you're not going to just stay stagnant here. You've got a family. 
you're young, you've got a long life ahead of you, and you need to figure yourself out. And we're going to grow. You um, bet. You know, and I think that's so important, Julie, you as a leader and leaders along the way is helping others find a way to grow, find a way to get better and do it together and lean into each other. That's awesome. And today you're leaning into us right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We're going to go to these messages and be right back. The Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. back with Julie DeRose right here on the Leadership Lowdown. And I have to tell you, Julie, as I'm thinking about this, I've got so many wonderful notes about some of the insight and ideas that you have along the way. But I wonder, as you think about dealing with people and all of the different engaging things that you've seen, are there any areas that you think are particularly challenging for people to overcome or maybe areas that you say, hey, this is a real problem and a lot of people deal with it. Anything like that come to mind? Yes, definitely. I think that one of the things, and you know, I've said this so many times in my different jobs, is that if we could figure out a way to have people think healthier, to think more positively, to fix, and you know, lack of a better word, but the cognition, the way that people think about problem solving and analyzing situations over and over again, with clients, students, customers that I've worked with, as well as some of the staff, you know, they are in a little hole and the way that they think that they can get out of it is to dig deeper. And if we as a society could fix that, we would all be in a much better place. I know that one of my roles, we did something called cognitive restructuring, but it was basically a problem solving process to not say, oh, well, life is bad. I am sad. This is awful. I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. And then I think to make it better, I'll do it same thing to the other one. Instead of that, it's okay. So you're thinking that in the case of our program for adult education, you quit school, don't like school, don't want school. You've had two jobs, three jobs, and you're really struggling to get by. So somebody might sign up for classes and all those other things remain the same, and then they quit. Mm. And instead of saying, you know, the one thing that I'm doing that actually could be a long-term solution to fixing so many of these other things is staying in school, getting my credential, moving on, moving forward. But instead, it's sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's excuses, sometimes it's true, huge challenges in life. But it almost seems like the default is to take the easier way and the easier way is to do nothing or revert back to what I know and then be uncomfortable and sad and miserable and, you know, struggling. So it's fixing the way that people think about problem solving and analyzing situations. And I swear, if I could figure out how to make that work 
I would be a very rich person. It's but the magic I, wand, I, isn't it? Yeah. And so many times, I think you mentioned it earlier. I just wanted to circle back to it, Julie, is I think it's the, we call it crucial conversations. I didn't coin that phrase, but it's the whole notion that so many supervisors are uncomfortable in having that conversation. But if it's done with care and with what you did earlier with that one employee, you said you wanted to see some growth because there was potential there. If it's done with care, concern, and lifting somebody, maybe it's a chance to hold up that mirror so that they can see that blind spot where they're just self-defeating and talking themselves into failure every day. I think that's where a lot of this starts, Julie, is the courageous conversation with those that you lead. Would you think that's a starting point for us, maybe? Vic, I think absolutely it is. You know, and you can't necessarily teach someone to be intuitive, but leaders, I think some of the best leaders that I have ever worked with are somewhat intuitive, but they're certainly perceptive and watchful on, you know, where are the strengths, where are the weaknesses, and how can we work with those and build them up and make them work for the individual. And I think, you know, one of the things is if you can take a strength or an interest and maybe it's not that obvious just by, you know, passing by the coffee pot and saying hello, but really take the time to figure out, you know, who my team is and based on, you know, and look at their strengths or what their interests are. Because a lot of times, just because it's not a strength, that person might have an interest that will motivate them to just shine in areas. And so I think as really great leaders do that, they take the time to actually figure out, you know, do I have an excellent writer on my team? Do I have an excellent communicator? Do I have somebody who is good with social media? Do I have somebody who's artistic? Whatever it is, it may not even be like an inherent part of their work or their job, but to take those things and talk to them about what it is that maybe they'd like to do next or what it is that they might want to contribute to the team that really plays on some of their talents and strengths. And I believe that we all have a lot more talent than we give ourselves credit for or that we even hone because we're busy and we don't really take the time to figure out some of the things that really we would love or a passion that we might have. And if a leader can somehow break into that and actually identify some of those, I think that the team will shine and the individuals will all be the best. Well, spot on, Julie. And I think really the thing is, is the difference between a supervisor that sees people as a way to get things done versus sees a talent that they're helping to grow and unleash for the organization. Those are way different philosophies. And man, makes me want to work for you. Julie, are you hiring? <laughs> I just think it's awesome. And so glad that you're sharing your thoughts today right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We've got one thin segment left. We'll be right back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. And we're back with our final segment right here on Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We have Julie DeRose. She is the director of PAE and, of course, a licensed real estate individual as well as uh, insurance person. 
And so multi-talented, I think you could tell why in the last several segments we've had a chance to understand your world, Julie. But as I think about it, part of what you do is you watch people making changes in their life to grapple with maybe finding a pathway to greater success, maybe more success than they ever dreamed of. And so tell me, where does that start in your mind when you're talking with people or coaching people, whether it's employees or whatever, is it a personal assessment you ask them to do? Or do you have some unique conversation methods that get people thinking about who they are, where they are, and where they want to go? It depends on the person. It's different every time. A lot of times, you know, certainly we all know about setting goals. Goals are important. I mean, if you don't set a goal, then you never know when you get there, right? That's right. But it's just so important that you start with that goal and then try to help them figure out what their skills, their talents, their interests really are. And also help them to be open to maybe modifying, changing, or, you know, totally taking a different direction. I mean, we all know people that have probably many of us went to school, got a college degree, and were doing something quite different from what it was the degree was in, right? So the part of it is that when you're navigating through education, you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of times some of our folks come to us and say, oh, I want to be a certified nurse's aide. And you can just tell that the connection with people really isn't their strong suit. They might be more apt to work with technology or art or music or math. So, you know, but because their mother or their sister or their best friend was certified nurses, they just thought, well, that's what I'll do too. So it's about trying to figure out, you know, help people find a passion and find a talent and an interest that they want to work toward. So, you know, I think that that's just really a key to people having a successful, happy life. Yeah, that's really what I think now where you're at in your current world as a director of PAE, you're really helping people to get on with it. And really, I know that you would probably agree, you can't help those that aren't ready to help themselves. But if you have somebody that looks at the world of opportunity around them and sees the opportunity what should I do next? Man, I think your organization has some great solutions, especially if it's somebody that maybe is looking for job skills or interview skills or maybe their GED, that kind of thing. Tell me, your organization, if somebody's looking for some of those resources, how do they find you or PAE? Well, I can certainly talk about that. But the one thing that I do want to say before I answer that question, Nick, is that I just a plug for adult ed and for GEDs in general, a lot of people still see a stigma there with the GED. It's like, okay, so what's your story? And that maybe it's not the same as a high school diploma. Well, that is true. It is not. But what it is, is a nationally accepted measure of achievement and skill and an absolute testimonial of motivation for these folks who have gone back to school against a lot of challenges and barriers and overcome them. And If someone passes the GED, it is absolute for sure. Their reading, math, writing, science is at a level at or above high school diploma level. 
So I would say, you know, just an appeal to everyone out there listening to give people that have that credential a chance, have a sense of appreciation for what they did to get where they're at and to really give them the credit that I think that they deserve for getting that credential and getting that high school equivalency diploma done. As far as getting a hold of us, we're PAE. We have PottervilleAdultEducation.com as our website, 517 if any of the audience would like us to come and talk, would like to have more information, we're always taking small donations of gift cards and things to incentivize our students and reward them for accomplishments. You're welcome to give us a call, come by. We're housed at the Capital Area Michigan Works in Lansing. That is, I call it the mothership. That's where our main office is. However, we have classes in all the Michigan Works offices, as well as Lansing Housing Commission, Capital City apartments and we have virtual classes so there's something for everybody our students like I mentioned before they work they have families they have life challenges like we all do and we try to make it be as flexible as possible so that virtually I can't imagine anyone's schedule who could not fit something that we offer into the busy schedule to be able to participate in our classes. That's awesome. Well, Julie, look, I just can't thank you enough for your time today. I've got a full page of notes here on some of the wonderful pearls of wisdom that you shared with us today. I also want to say, Julie, thank you for all that you're doing. You're changing lives, making a difference every single day. You're my kind of person, and I really appreciate your contribution. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation, Rick. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening in to the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschereau. I can't wait to talk to you next time. Michigan.